0: This is the best, 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 best practices in education, an Odyssey School podcast. Let's fly away in a cloud. We'll go down to Odyssey. We'll learn some cool new things and new opportunities. Cause Odyssey is made of magic, made of magic. This podcast aims to offer professional resources, practical tools, And inspiring conversations to teachers and parents in their quest for excellent education.
1: Okay, hi everybody. My name is Elijah Allred. I am not Corey Um, Adams. It's her last name. She is normally your host, and I am filling in because she is super busy uh, and uh, smart and cool. Hi, Corey. So today. I'm going to be interviewing Kylie.
2: Hey, Elijah. Hi, Kylie.
1: Kylie is both my co-worker and a Odyssey employee. It would be wild if she was not. (laughs) I don't know why I added that caveat, but Kylie's going to be talking to us about a a variety of things, all of which are are cool and nice like Corey. Um, So (laughs) let me read your biography here. Kylie received her B.S. in early childhood education from Ohio University with Rufus the Bobcat. That's the mascot. Kylie has found her alignment working with kids and teens on the autism spectrum and tutoring and homeschooling and substitute teaching for middle school math, which is cool. I, I cut my teeth on substituting as well. I feel like it's a really good way to, to start doing this. Uh, the classroom is her playground, and Kylie believes that multimodal, hands-on, and active learning experiences lead to a deep and comprehensive understanding of material. This often takes the form of incorporating movement, nature, and art-based play into lessons. And you say you've updated your biography, but that to me is a great lead-in for what it is you are here to talk to us today about. So I have my notes. So what's this about? What are we talking about here? What's going on?
2: We are talking about many things, including Rufus the Bobcat and Corey today, apparently. Um, But my best practice is on landing in lessons. Um, and specifically, what that means to me is how we are settling and energizing our students' bodies and hearts as we go through the day.
1: Okay, so these are the two things you're focusing on here: settling and energizing. Yes, and we're gonna kind of break up this interview into those different subjects. Yeah. Um, give me a like a like a brief review of how you came to those terms: settling and energizing.
2: Yeah. Totally. Well, I feel like in my experience, I am a very dynamic, energetic person. Um, and often that energy translates to my students, which is awesome. Um, it also makes it really hard to teach when you have a class of very boisterous energy. Um, and in some moments, it can be really fun and appropriate. And sometimes you're like, OK, I really need to tell you about Square Roots. And for that, I need you to be quiet. Um, so that's kind of the balance of the settling and energizing Um And so it has to be a both-and relationship in my classroom. Um, So I just wanted to talk a little bit about how that looks.
1: I love that. I love that because I, when, when you presented this to us, I desperately needed it. I feel like my energy also transfers. Like I, occasionally, I'll do or say something, and then it'll feel like a bomb went off, and then I'll see the fallout of kids like running around and like shoving erasers in their mouths <laughs> and like, like drawing on the walls. And I'm like, what did I do? Like I de- <laughs> yeah. so, so this is excellent for me as well as, I'm sure, for our audience. Welcome um, to
2: the lesson. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> Let's
1: land. So w- what is the point of an energizer, mm. I guess. Let's start with energizer, because I feel like that's like something that a lot of teachers don't want to do is energize their students. They want to like calm them. So what is the point of an energizer?
2: Mm. Totally. Well, energizers for me, they they're kind of multifaceted, right? So every day when the kids come in, we do a minute of silence, then we do an energizer, and then we get into the lesson. So an energizer serves kind of a twofold purpose. It gives the kids consistency. Um, so sometimes kids really thrive on a schedule. Um, My classes look very different from day to day, depending on if we're standing on desks or we're doing some work on paper, um, dancing. It it really depends. Um, So this is a way that I have found they know exactly what's coming for about the first five to ten minutes of class. Um, And that really helps them, you know, settle in, start engaging. They know what's coming. um, And that really, I think, settles their nervous system in a way. Secondly, um, energizers I have found to be great ways to teach other skills um, that are translatable to the content. So for example, in math class, we have five different types of energizers we do. Some of them focus on lateral thinking skills. Some of them are building um, relationships with order of operations. Um, Some of them are just practicing math facts, um, spatial reasoning skills in mathematics. Um, So really, across the board, it varies. And it's really fun, and it gets the kids participating because I think it can be intimidating to participate sometimes if you don't feel like you know the answer to something. Um, Of course, the approach really should be, in my opinion, where does your mind go with X, Y, and Z, not what is the answer. Um, I still think, though, that kids are feeling into that a little bit. I think that they think they have to have the correct answer. And with energizers, they can just, share whatever they think. And it's really a space that's not specifically related to the curriculum or the content of the day um, that really invites them to be engaged and share and get excited. Um, And I find that to be a really, really solid and positive way to start every single class.
1: Okay, so I think I understand in the sense that, like, what you're talking about is not necessarily just getting a kid to experience energy, which has been my problem. Just just experience energy. Get in there. Ah! (laughs) But you're almost, it's almost like you're energizing or, like, putting energy into a particular center of intelligence, I guess, Mm. or an intelligence. Mm -hmm. And that center of intelligence is not necessarily the center of intelligence that is, we must now say the right answer for math or science, please. Mm -hmm. It is the center of intelligence of, let's explore the area where we will eventually be locking down the facts. Is that kind of what I'm getting from what you're saying?
2: Yeah, I mean, okay. I think definitely twofold. I think I think both. And to use that expression again, um, I think it's that, and also like, yeah, just getting them amped and like ready to go for the day.
1: Both. Okay, so you got them amped. Um, the next question is, I feel like I'm I'm kind of jumping around here. Mm-hmm you have come down, it's a very brave stance, uh, in the notes that you provided me and that I looked over, you came down firmly against telling children to calm down. Yes. Um, As the advocate of the devil, the devil's advocate, (laughs) uh, I want to stand against this stance briefly Mm -hmm. and and say, why on earth wouldn't you tell children to calm down?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Well,
1: why wouldn't you want them to? The audacity. Why wouldn't you want <laughs> calm children?
2: The audacity. I do want to calm children. However, I think it's, you know, to me, everything in settling bodies comes back to the nervous system. And me vocalizing to a kid, calm down, doesn't do anything to help their nervous systems. So I think in order to actually settle yourself, you need to go through some sort of motion-based thing, some sort of um, breathing exercise, um, you really need to be intentional about engaging with them in the systems that are going to work to actually bring them down to a level where they are grounded and present and focused. Um, and you can feel it. Like, I can't even tell you, it's it's not a tangible thing, but you walk into a room and you just feel where the kids are um, and kind of where you need to help them serve their bodies and systems in order to get to a place where they can be engaged with the learning
1: process. So you y- you have them... Calm down, and then get energized, and mm. you do one, and then the other as part of a process. Is there a way to go the other way that feels productive? Like, mm. it, how how do you get them to cal- go from energized? So in that kinetic kind of the the productive nervous system, like they're mm. like they're experiencing excitement, mm-hmm. and that's like they're reacting to things in some ways, but mm-hmm. then you want to take them back down to a calm place. Right. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. How do you, how how do you do that?
2: Sure. Yeah. I actually, you know, for my, I think it could vary teacher to teacher, right. And what feels good to you and what you think feels good to your students and what they're telling you feels good. Um, so kind of a, a multifaceted approach there. But for me, The point of doing the minute of silence first and really getting them grounded before the energizer is that hallway energy That just follows and lingers into the space
1: Yes, now we're getting into it It's Mm -hmm, like they are are in a kind of social intelligence outside in the hallway Mm -hmm. And they come in and you need to recenter them, so we need that minute of silence Yes,
2: Yes, totally, and once I have them there, right, that sets the expectation for the class we, I, <laughs> we call it a minute of silence, but we actually could probably go for, I would say, typically up to two to three minutes. Um, we stay in that space until it is truly and deeply settled in that classroom. Um, and then so you we, don't say, hmm.
1: all right, a minute is up, thank God, I hear all of my thoughts so loud and I need to get out of here. Like, mm-hmm. I don't do that, but I was just thinking <laughs> of, like, yeah, really theoretically like <laughs> a person with that problem. <laughs> so, but you, like, make sure that they stay in that space till they are feeling yes. quieted.
2: Right. And again, it's that intangible just feeling of the space to really be present there. And, you know, cracking your eyes open sometimes, looking around, making sure there's no like, you know, eyes opening and closing or people slumped over in their chair. It's, it's really, are you presently engaged with what you're trying to do for your body right now?
1: I, I, I believe you are the reigning champion of the minute of silence, because every time I've walked into your classroom while you're doing that, it feels genuinely calm. I feel like sometimes I'm leading, it's like a funeral dirge (laughs) as opposed to like, like, now it is time for silence, everybody put your things. So it's really, it's admirable and it works really well the way that you do it. Do you ask them to center themselves around particular things during the minute of silence? Mm.
2: Well, yeah, so... Every single day we go through the same process. So we say, okay, we're going to start getting into our, our minute of silence. And, and at this point in the year, right, we're um, almost.
1: Oh, oh could uh, you lead us through? Could you do it? Sure. Okay, let's yeah, do yeah. it. Here okay, it. let's, let's do it.
2: All right. So how I would start is I would start with a countdown. So I would say, let's have everybody return to your seats and count down from five. So four, three, two, one. And I just take a breath. Let them really settle in before we even start getting into our posture, just sort of letting the air fall right in the room and um, kind of acknowledge the transitional space. So, you know, today it's Wednesday, it's about 1230, lunch is wrapping up, um, acknowledging we're here in River Studio um, and just sort of getting into that headspace and really, again, just letting the air kind of fall after that. And then when I feel ready, I would say, okay, let's start getting into our position. So both feet are flat on the floor. Your legs are uncrossed, working our way up our body. We're gonna roll our shoulders up and back, aligning our spine, sitting up nice and tall. Just going slow, taking another breath here. Um, We're gonna close our eyes. We're gonna just rest our hands and our laps together. Again, we're just letting the air fall around us, settling in. And this is the part, right, is being really intentional not to rush it. So just deeply, slowly starting to engage your body in this sort of downward um, turn of energy. And then we would start breathing synchronously together. So I would invite them to breathe in through your nose and breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, and we'd go through this, and if I feel like they're really settling into that, I would say keep going on your own, and it is amazing to hear them, to listen to them synchronously breathing after that, Um, it just creates a really cool um, sense of community in breath work. Um, which I really value, and I think they do too. Um, And then, you know, sometimes we do different things with our breath depending on the energy. So, um, you know, if it's really, really, really hard, like it's, it's taking a little bit longer to settle in, I'll say breathe in and hold. We'll hold for four, three, two, one, breathe out. When you get to the bottom of your breath, hold four, three, two, one, breathe in. Um, if we need to energize throughout the day, we'll do different sort of rhythms of breathing. Um, but, yeah, that's basically what the minute of silence looks like. I feel so cold. I oh, know. my God we're just going to whisper. There. I'm incredibly
1: <laughs> calm. Good. I am. That was great. That was awesome. Thanks. And I want to make sure that we have time to do the other parts of this, which is that like like I have a couple of other questions. So, sure. the other question that we had on here that we kind of wanted to talk about is mm-hmm. some there's like wild emotional weather that kind of passes through the classroom. Like Welcome just,
2: to middle school. Like, right, just today
1: <laughs> in 5th grade I felt like some just a tornado sort of ripped through the class yeah, and it, and sure. I didn't know where it came from and I, and I was just sort of doing like Sort of disaster relief efforts the yeah. entire like to follow the metaphor but but you take some of that emotional energy and you channel it into mm. centering exercises mm-hmm. and one of them i thought was particularly cool so i was going to ask you what are some of the channeling of emotional energy exercises that you do
2: Yeah, totally. So I think I'll talk about two different things for this, um, because I totally relate to what you're talking about. Um, you know, in every human, especially I think middle schoolers at this age, um, but right, you bring your emotions into a space and that's going to affect the energy that you are coming in with. Um, and that might be individually, that might be collectively, maybe there's a certain dynamic across the whole classroom, or maybe you're just having kind of a rough day, right? It doesn't, it, it can come from anywhere. Um, and so, you know, to me, the best or most effective learning environments are one where not only do our bodies feel deeply settled, but so do our emotions, right, to the best of our abilities. So, um, the first thing I'll talk about is an example of social emotional learning that we do. Um, and this is, I'm going to give this example for math class. Um, so, the other day, right, I'm a big believer in affirmations, um, and I really like to have something that I can repeat to myself to kind of get through a particular time or moment or, you know, a couple months of my life. Um, It really helps me to center, and it brings back a lot of the processing work I've done. So if I'm going through something hard, I think of my affirmation. I think of all the work that I've done behind that affirmation, and then it helps me see myself through it. A mantra. Yeah. So I really wanted my students to have the same thing. Um, so we came up with, we did some reflecting, you know, what feels hard for you, specifically in math? Is it word problems? Is it exponents? Is it order of operations? Like, give me the specifics. Um, and then how does it feel, right? Kind of bringing it back around to social-emotional learning um, when you're facing something that's hard. So I had them reflect on those. And then based on those two things, they came up with a couple couple of affirmations that they could give themselves when they're experiencing those feelings related to the hard things. So from there, I love Morse code. I just think it's like really fun. And I don't know, it's like a jazzy way to communicate. Um, Can you do it? No, I can't. You
1: can't beep beep at me right now.
2: Beep. Beep boop. I probably just—I said, don't know what I just said. I probably God delete that. (laughs) Um, Okay, so sorry. I didn't actually mean delete that. I thought that was pretty funny. The whole time. All right. We're not deleting. All right. We're (laughs) just—it's all in here. Okay, so um, I can't actually do Morse code, but I think it's really fun too for the kids to just practice these other cool, interesting skills. I think it helps them sort of nourish their own interests. Um, and and it's it's just a fun thing. So And it also translates well to beads. So that's kind of why I chose Morse code. Morse code is made of dots and dashes. So you could take two different types of beads or two different colors of beads and assign one of them to dots and one of them to dashes. And then you can make your affirmation your, that has been translated to Morse code into a series of beads, which can then be strung into a bracelet, which can then be worn during a test or another challenging moment To really help visually and tactily remind you of your affirmation.
1: So literally just touching a bracelet that has a message on it, but it's not like you're seeing the letters every single day exactly. and like counting them. You're just seeing the symbol of it, and that symbol helps transfer that into like the back of your consciousness or whatever. It's a Yeah, exactly. it works in a lot of different ways, but that's cool. That's really cool.
2: Thanks, and you know, I think middle schoolers, I mean, anyone can be private about their emotional processing, and Morse code is a way to still have the reminder there, but you don't necessarily have to share if you don't feel like it in that moment when something's hard for you.
1: Right, so it can be private in the sense that unless mm-hmm. somebody is like a, a, a crack nautical you know person they're not going to know what the morse code <laughs> thing says on your bracelet that's awesome yeah the, the last thing i wanted to do because now i'm feeling calm i'm yeah. feeling emotionally centered mm. and now i need to feel energized okay i get to get super energized so how do you energize the kids in your class i, I want concrete examples here mostly because i really like the the screaming stuff you talked about. it's good okay so, <laughs> just kidding just...
2: <laughs> i think we'd blow up the microphones if we did that no it's energizers gosh You know, I think for me, energizers come back to movement. I think I, again, am sort of taking in my teaching what I find to be energizing, which is movement for myself personally, and sort of translating that to my kids. Um, And I've also never met a kid who, like, doesn't want to get up and do jumping jacks and then feels like, wah! (laughs) So so for me, any time I can get the kids out of their seats and doing something silly is energizing. Um, sometimes that looks like, uh, an example from the beginning of the year is we were learning about graphing. So we had X and Y axes, um, and I gave them all meter sticks, just, you know, long rods to represent the two axes. And we made up stories about each of them. Um, and so for example, the Y axis runs vertically. And so I had them wield their meter sticks like swords and we went, Y axis, oh Y. And we wielded them like swords going into war up above our heads while standing on our desks. And you know, like... To me, that's just like, that just brings the energy up. It brings the engagement and it makes them remember it, right? It's a memory tool, tool as well. Um, and it's just super fun to pretend like you're, you know, going to war with your meter sticks, but also learning about graphing.
1: And, and for some kids, me included, in order to feel energized to do math, you have to feel like you're battling something. Yeah. <laughs> it is a battle. It's, it's a fun. conquest. Right. Yeah. I'm, I am going to overtake yes. this graph.
2: Right. Um,
1: <laughs> but so there was another activity that you talked about when, mm. we, when we talked about what we were going to talk about today. I just mm. said talked like seven times, which was the... The thing where you draw the thing for a second. I know you know oh, what I'm yeah. talking about. I, I do. I know want what you're you talking to describe about. it, but I also want to know: does that fall into the category of an energizer or a what's the other like a term? Like the term settling here. settler. We'll use that. Sure, settler of Catan.
2: Settler, let's play. Yes. So, quick draw is the name of this activity, and this comes from a person named Grayson Wheatley. He is somebody who published this book um and basically it's about developing your spatial sense in mathematics this is one of my favorite energizers um this is one of those five energizers i was talking about at the beginning of the podcast um that i rotate through so that you know there's a diverse set of skills being used some kids like one and not the other um so it's really variety based but yeah quick draw is great um at the beginning of class basically the simple image made of straight lines um usually straight lines flashes up on the board so some series of polygons Um, and the kids get two seconds to look at it, and then they have to draw it. Then they make a second drawing. I flash it back up on the screen for about two seconds. They make a second drawing. And then at the very end, we compare. So I put the image back on the board. They see what was actually there and then what their brain interpreted. And it is amazing to see what they think they see and what they actually saw. And it actually tells you a lot of information about the way that their mind is processing things. And it will, it's it's a really great way to engage in conversations about shape names. Um, you know, I really appreciate when I can include par- parts of the curriculum that are not such um, direct instruction. Like, yeah, let's talk about these quadrilaterals or this, um, you know, equilateral triangle or this right triangle or, you know, the difference between a parallelogram and, you know, a, whatever. Um, and so I, I really appreciate that I can have conversations that are not just here is the definition of X, Y, and Z. Um, and it, right. it just...
1: and it really, allows you to say... Like, you have to say something like 12 times before they hear it once. Right, in exactly. Middle school, so you can say it like 12 times at different points in the class. Yes, That's very smart. exactly.
2: Yeah. And it just creates this beautiful continuity. Um, and it's fun. You know, a lot of those kids in fifth and sixth grade are very visual. Um, they like to draw. You know, they like to be challenged. So so it's just, you know, to me, it's like... It, it is the perfect energizer, in my opinion.
1: It, and it... Like, we already talked about this, but, like, it does show you that... that it's almost like a visual metaphor for how they look at reading assignments yes. where you see this this sort of mutant approximation of mm. what the shape was <laughs> and then you get to see like what the actual <laughs> shape was. It's really, really cool. So yeah. I, I loved that part. Is there anything else that I missed that you want to touch on, um, like know, other activities b- before we wrap up?
2: Yeah, thanks for asking that. You know, I think I'll just leave one more thing here, um, which is just uh, going back to social-emotional learning for a second and then we'll close out here. Yeah. Um, the 3 to one approach can be used, I think, with any kid in any situation. So it feels like a nice way to close, right? Any subject area. So 3 one right, is sort of a place of um, maybe respite when emotionally overwhelmed. And it's something, right, I think teachers can help students see themselves through something that's challenging, socially, emotionally, physically, whatever it is. But I think it is amazing when we can give kids tools that they can use themselves to help themselves through it three to one approach is this three is tell me three things that you know to be facts or that you know that you can do because right now you're probably experiencing something you feel like you can't or you might not be able to or it's really tough um and that really gets them in a more positive headspace immediately it might be like my favorite kind of beans is pinto or like whatever you know they come up with all kinds of things
1: pinto beans exist they're my favorite kind uh that's a lie i'd like black beans more okay so those are my three and then what's the two
2: great so two is two long deep breaths so in again bringing it back to settling the nervous system right and then one is setting an intention what intention are you going to go back to to see yourself through this time right so Elijah, what might an example of an intention be if you're facing something really challenging?
1: So an an intention is something that's a positively stated Mm -hmm. thing that Mm -hmm. is future-looking but through action, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, An intention for today, for me, would be to... Approach the festival of lights mm. with care and openness and sincerity. Totally. I guess but that's not f- a funny answer. no I, that's I, great <laughs> i I liked when you said that somebody made a Morris code bracelet said that said it's almost lunchtime. Yes. So yeah. an intention like for a kid can also be like make it to lunchtime. yes, <laughs> without having a fight. Sh- with sure. someone. right right yeah,
2: yeah, the intention's a totally individual experience. and and I think like, what you just did, right, was you named aloud how you wanted to see yourself. They might just jot it down. It might be one word, but I think that it is so much more likely for somebody to come back to something if they name it as a goal, right? An intention how as How you a goal. want to
1: see yourself. That is right. cool, right? Yeah. You are med- yeah. metacognating to the degree that you're coming out of your body. You're saying, what does this body want to do mm. today? And this mm-hmm. body wants to be careful about sincerity in the yeah. festival. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that.
2: So that's just my last thing, you know? It, it was just something I kind of was birthed out of, like, the need for, you know, just an in-the-moment thing that's easy to remember. Three, two, one.
1: Right. A so. need for, and like all birth, it probably involved some screaming beforehand.
2: I think that is very fair. Yeah.
1: Um, cool. Thank you so much for coming and talking to me and Corey, who's actually been sitting right next to me the entire time. We were <laughs> oh, lying, hey, Corey. But... <laughs>
2: <laughs> I hear you're very cool. <laughs> She's
1: covering her eyes. She thinks we can't see her. Um, so... <laughs> So I think that's going to be it for today. Okay. We can uh, we can sign off now.
2: Signing? off.
1: let's let's do a quick. Um,
2: Should we like throw our clipboards at each other? through like a high five. No, I was going to say maybe room? you
1: could do a quick energizer where you try and draw what I have on my on my notes. Great. Here, just or quick. we could just
2: scream. But- <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 All right, cue the music. That's the one I'm going to use. <laughs> that's what I'm going to use for this. <laughs>
0: This has been Best Practices in Education, an Odyssey School podcast. It was recorded here in our music studio in Asheville, North Carolina at Odyssey School, engineered by our music director, River Gergarian, and the original theme music was created by the Misfits of Cragberry, an Odyssey student band. Let's fly.